0: Well, we're going to start doing some paid ads shortly on our property management website. And I really know nothing about paid advertising, but I believe it's something that we need to do. So I wanted to talk to an expert. So joining me today is Conrad O'Connell from buildupbookings.com, and he's going to tell us everything we need to know about paid advertising. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, delighted to be back with you once again on this beautiful blue sky, sunny day, snow on the ground. Pretty much love it. I have actually convinced myself that being in Ontario for the winter is not really that bad. And we have just booked to go to Gulf Shores for the months of November, December, January, February, March next year. So that is pretty much organized now. I shall look forward to being there then. I don't want to wish my time away, of course. There is huge amounts to do. And I'm just, at that time, of course, December the 1st, 2nd is the Vacation Rental Women's Summit in New Orleans. There will no doubt be the host 2021 event, hopefully in London next November. So there are those things to look forward to. But as I say, not wishing my time away, but it's always nice to think ahead, which is something that I like to do. I like to have everything. You know, I like to have all my ducks in a row, if you like. So talking about getting all my ducks in a row, we now have six months to go before our next high season starts again. And we've been super busy with bookings. Bookings have come in really, really early this year. So I'm really happy at the way things are going. Our financial year starts in November and we've already had the best November on record. So hopefully that's going to be followed up by the best December and all the way through next year. So really excited about that. But we're not letting up on anything that we do. In fact, it's quite the opposite. We're doubling down all our efforts, not only to acquire new owners, which is something that every property manager needs to be out there and doing, but to bring in new rental guests. Because we had a huge influx of new rental guests last summer, And it was amazing how many of them who once having experienced our particular brand of accommodation up here in cottage country, they want to come back and do it again. But we want more. We want more of these. We're greedy. So one of the things that I've been doing, and you know that if you've listened to the past couple of podcasts, I was talking about Facebook groups and I'm really heavily into Facebook groups at the moment, I think there's such an, an amazing opportunity to focus some marketing efforts. And, and we found half a dozen Facebook groups that are for rentals in our area and just focused on rentals. And some of them allow blatant promotion. In fact, they encourage blatant promotion. And we are out there as soon as we've got a, a vacancy or a new property, we are out there posting that on these groups. And it's, it's really, really working it's really working. We are capturing new guests this way. In fact, just this morning, we took a booking from a lady who, a week's booking in the summer from a lady who posted onto one of these groups that she was looking for a three bedroom, two bathroom property, and she wanted it in this particular location. And we immediately responded to that and said, hey, we've got something. Get in touch with us. And she did, and she booked. So there's a winner. So those are free. But today we're going to be talking about paid Advertising because I think there is huge opportunity out there as well. And I really know nothing about paid advertising. Usually we have sent all this type of advertising out, we've outsourced it to third parties. I want to learn more because even if we do outsource again this year I want to have a background of information. So during Black Friday sales I bought a course from a company called Data Driven and I've had their I've done their Google Analytics mastery course which is really really good and now I'm doing their paid advertising course or Google Ads course. So That's not necessarily going to make me into somebody who can go out and actually do my Google ads, create them. And I and maybe after some time I'll be able to do that, but I still want to get a professional in probably to get it all properly set up. But at least I will have the foundational knowledge to be at the background. And I think that's really, really important. So I'll put links to the data-driven courses on the show notes because As I say, I've done one already. I'm halfway through the Google Ads one. It is very in-depth. It's, um, for me, it really teaches to my level. I can understand it. And I'm able to flip backwards and forwards from, you know, while the guy's talking about different things, I can sit on our company analytics page and look at what he was talking about and see it in relation to our analytics. And I'm doing the same with Google Ads. So that aside, my go-to person for anything to do with paid advertising is Conrad O'Connell from buildupbookings.com. Conrad's been on the show multiple times. More recently, he's been helping me out on our owner acquisition because he does some work for vintori.com and you know that we are working with Vintori at the moment on our owner acquisition strategy. So Conrad was definitely the person I was going to reach out to, to talk to about paid advertising. So without further ado, let's pop on over to my interview with Conrad O'Connell. So super delighted to have with me today, Conrad O'Connell from Build Up Bookings. And I was just saying to Conrad, it's been 100 episodes since he was last here. So welcome back
1: yeah glad to be back and again I think the uh the impressive thing is that you've done a hundred episodes in that time frame that's that's awesome. I can't say I listen to all of them, but I've listened to many of them so it's been fun
0: Yes it's been a hundred hundred episodes hundred episodes <laughs> quite some time, and I know that you know so much changes i mean what what's a hundred episodes oh my god that's nearly two that is two years i mean yeah, my math my math is years. my math is bad but a <laughs> hundred <laughs> weekly episodes is just about two years.
1: Yeah, on my side 2 years ago I only had one one uh, one child. Now I have two. So so much can change in that time. Oh my
0: right? god. And, do you know I didn't even know that? So congratulations. What what did you get the yeah. second time around?
1: Oh, another boy just to maximize the uh, the trouble <laughs> that I can deal with, you know.
0: <laughs> I'm sure your wife loves that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yes, and I had a I had a new grandchild just in my my first grandchild cuz I've got six granddaughters and now I have a grandson. So
1: Ah, I didn't know that. Well, that's awesome. Finally,
0: finally, except in Berlin. So it's going to be some time before I get to uh, get to go out to Berlin to visit the grandchildren. But it will happen. It will happen sometime in 2021. I'm quite sure it's all going to it's all going to I, I'm not going to say get back to normal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you and I were just, just discussing that, weren't we, about travel and how travel might change. And, and you, you were just talking about business travel and the fact that people may not be traveling for business as, as much as they, as they had in the past.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I read, uh, I read a piece on Skift about that the other day that I forget the exact number, but I think it was high 20% was the prediction from, you know, an expert of business travel that won't return. And we mentioned it at all these conferences and all these things. And I, it's, it's been a strange year, I think for a number of reasons, because a lot of our vacation rental clients that we work with had great years. I mean, their spring was rough. And then when things opened back up, they had a great season and a great year, but not every sector, not every, you know, version of the lot of the mm-hmm. vacational industry has had that sort of luck or that sort of, um, you know, good fortune. And let's be honest, it was mostly good fortune. It wasn't like anyone planned this to hurt them or help them. It just you know, fell and fell on their laps either way. But yeah, I don't I don't know exactly what, like you said, will everything return to normal in the future? I'm not sure. I think some things will be here to to stay a little bit longer, perhaps, mm-hmm. or trends that may not reverse exactly back to where they were before. But I do know that a lot of people try vacation rentals this year who haven't before. And hopefully that does, you know, bleed into the following years as a positive, you know, positive thing that we can all take from this year, hopefully.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just said that in the in the introduction, I was just talking about the things that we're planning on doing as a company this year to supplement all the new people that came into trying out our type of accommodation in 2020. Mm. And we're sort of, we we, we've got that, we've got that enormous influx of new guests, but we want to double down on the marketing we're doing, which is hence why I wanted to talk to you and, and talk about paid advertising. Cause you, I mean, you've, you've helped us with some paid advertising in the past, and and I was just saying in the intro that I'm I'm doing a course at the moment on Google Ads with with data driven Jeff Sauer. I don't know if you've come across him. He mm-hmm. he, he does yeah, a really good, good course. Not that I actually want to do this for myself, but I want to understand the fundamentals of it. So so when you talk to me next time. Conrad, I know what you're talking about. And in fact, I've got halfway through the course, so I've got a little bit of of knowledge now. But as they say, you know, a a little bit of knowledge, (laughs) it's not always a good thing. But that doesn't mean I'm going to be diving deep and doing it myself. So let's kick off with with those listeners who perhaps have not come across you before. And I, I doubt there's very many of them. But for those that haven't um can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your background and and how you've come to work with vacation rental companies?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do the short version of the story. Like you said, some people may have heard it before. So my whole career has been in agencies of some form or fashion. The first company that I ever worked for uh, was a marketing agency, and we had a lot of clients actually of, of all different types uh, and stripes, um, not just vacation rental or anything like that at the time. And but we did have this one client, um, a hotel chain that I that I got to a chance to work with and really help understand their their paid search, their organic search strategies. And working on that client was probably like the most fun and enjoyable piece of that, you know, that job for me. Um, so, I thought I had, you know, kind of this interest and this inclination towards, you know, perhaps, you know, travel marketing in some form or fashion. So, um, I left that company after about a year and a half and went to another agency that more, that had more of a specialty in the vacation rental world. So that was around 2013, 2014 time frame. Um, I worked there for two or three years, marketing director, and exited to start uh, my own my own uh, kind of consulting slash you know agency. Now it's grown a little bit too since we've chatted. Um, company to do you know to really focus on the vacation rental space. So I guess it's been if we if we sum it all up across those two different uh, companies, I guess we're we're probably at year six now or coming up on year seven um, of really just doing this work for uh, mostly vacation rental companies we do work with some hotels and resorts and other kind of different types of lodging opportunities people that just do monthly rentals some real estate as well but this has kind of been our core focus for some time most of our clients come to us needing help with three one of three categories uh, search social and email but search is the thing that i think we've um you know i've specialized in and certainly the, the thing that i probably feel like i have the most knowledge on so many people come to us needing help with that and that's what we focused on. And I know today we're talking more about paid search, but also a lot on the organic side of things with SEO.
0: Well, I'm sure I'm sure we can touch on that organic side too because it's something that I'm really fascinated in anyway. So and right at the end, don't let me forget because I want to I, I want to when, when we wrap up, I just want to briefly talk about GuestHook and Venturi because you know I came across you when I'm working with Venturi. So so we'll just wrap up with just you sharing what you're doing with, with them too. So let's talk so, about paid advertising. You know, I, I've just been talking in the introduction about Facebook groups, and we're doing a lot of jumping out into Facebook groups and telling people about ourselves. And this morning, we've got three bookings directly from Facebook groups, <laughs> and, which is which is great. And it's free, It's free. So we're going to continue with a lot of that free stuff. But as I said, we want to double down on every opportunity we possibly have. Paid advertising is one of them. So just clarify what paid advertising actually means, because it doesn't mean listing on Airbnb or VRBO, right? (laughs)
1: Yeah, I don't I don't feel that way. Actually, this is a very quick sidebar. I'll come back to the main question shortly. But I was actually reading very old posts on our site. And I remember writing about, at one point, uh, at the time, VRBO, now Verbo, actually had plans to do paid listing promotion on their site. It, it was almost going to be like a Google Ads-like feature on their site. They wrote about it extensively. They had help documentation up about it. And then that just never occurred. So I guess it's not impossible that we could see that in the future. Think of mm-hmm. Airbnb as we record this is about to go public. If you're a host that's struggling with bookings, I don't think it's completely off the table that someone like Airbnb could come up with a strategy to, hey, boost your listing and pay Airbnb money to show up higher in the search results. So I guess at the time of recording, the answer would be no. But I guess, I, you know, thinking back to things that have been promised before that never occurred, not, not that Homeway or uh, VRBO would whatever, do that, promise something and then not have it come through. Um, it, it seems like that's one example that could, that could boomerang back around. Uh, But anyways, to your question. Yeah. So I guess when we think of paid advertising, for us, a lot of it comes back to Google ads and Facebook ads being certainly the platforms that I think uh, we spend the most on collectively across all of our clients that we manage the most spend across. But there could be other platforms that we could touch on briefly. We're actually doing Snapchat ads for a customer right now who's looking to target a very specific demographic. Um, We've done some around, obviously, Instagram being a very natural targeting option available to you when you're running Facebook ads, given they essentially run Mm -hmm. on the same platform. There's also Pinterest ads as a way to drive traffic. So there's really lots of different, even general display networks and, and platforms out there like AdRoll. But I think in order to kind of focus the you know the listener a little bit, um, we'll probably reference mostly Google ads and Facebook ads, because even if you were to only execute on those two platforms, you'd probably be getting you know, 90, 95% of the reach that you would get by exploring other platforms out there. But I guess that is to say that there are other ad platforms that you can explore and they all have sort of their unique benefits or things that might be worth you know worth benefiting from or, or getting traffic from those sites I guess I I guess I should say. So, yeah, I think we'll mostly center on Google Ads and Facebook Ads during this conversation but know that there's other options out there for the more advanced marketer. Maybe we'll do that in a future episode or something.
0: <laughs> well, we should we should come back to this because now I'm getting into it myself. I, I see there's a lot more to it than just writing out a quick ad and just just posting it. So, what are the key elements of a paid advertising campaign? If somebody's thinking, well, you know, I'd like to do this, What do they need to be thinking about? Well, with
1: Facebook, we kind of have this thing that we say where it's like the three W's, you know? So it's kind of like, you know, when we think about the the creation of a Facebook ad, it's kind of almost structured in this way too, when you're when you're actually inside of Ads Manager with Facebook, They're, the first kind of question that Facebook asks you when you're setting up the ad is, what do you want to accomplish? So if we think of the first thing as what, what do you want to accomplish? I think that's a great, great starting point. The answer sometimes is not always what you think it might be. So what I mean by that is most people listening are just going to say, well, I want bookings. You know, that's natural what I want people to come to my site and book. But as you go through question number two and question number three, you may find yourself going back to question number one to determine how you're actually going to accomplish that. Um, So let's say you do want that. Let's say the the goal of your campaign or the what you want to accomplish is getting a direct booking or getting bookings on your website. The next two W's for us, um, and again, Facebook kind of models this very effectively, in my opinion, when you're creating the ad. The second one being who. You know, who do you actually want to show this messaging or this advertising to? Now, with Google, it's more keyword-based, right? What specific searches might a guest be doing? You know, Ontario cottage rentals, something like that. Miami Beach vacation rentals, something like that. Uh, With Facebook, it's a little bit more, you know, demographic and psychographic based by default, meaning, you know, women who are 35 to 55 who live in Toronto, for example, or men, you know, 21 to 35 who live in, you know, Charlotte or something like that, right? So Facebook has lots of different targeting options, but one of the main ones is being able to target based on location, age, interests. So for example, we could target those, you know, 25 to 55 year old Toronto moms based on the fact that they have an interest in cottage travel or they have an mm-hmm. interest in even a big brand like airbnb or a topic like vacation rentals so however you determine who that who is you know that's kind of the next step is who's the actual messaging going out to um, anyone you know i think that's listening that's been a business for some time probably can pull out certain trends from their own database whether they've gotten bookings from a listing site or from their own site in my view for this this question it doesn't matter too much you kind of know the traveler profile who's coming their general location maybe a little bit of information about their age the size of their group etc 2020 might have changed those trends for you a little bit too so that might also be worth considering is that something you want to continue into next year as you build out your campaigns or is there new people that Mm -hmm. you could reach with that second one the who and we could even get into, you know, again, some more advanced strategies in a minute about like targeting an email list, people that have stayed with you in the past or something like that. But it still falls in that category, right? No matter, who, you know, no matter how we decide to do the targeting, the second question of who we're targeting is still the same, whether that's a keyword based, you know, campaign or whether that's a demographic based bid. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, I mean, certainly this, this year we've because of, of our particular location, just two hours north of Toronto, people working from home because they're they're, they're still close enough to the city if they have to go into the office. So the workations market is... So so our who has changed a little bit. In fact, it's it's, it's changed a lot because the whole nature of when people travel has changed. And we noticed that this year when we had a a 100% booked September, which is unheard Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. because people could work. So, you know, actually targeting those people and then knowing what to target them with, which was unlimited Wi-Fi.
1: Yeah. I like that. Um, And and it dovetails perfectly into the final thing, which is what, Mm -hmm. you know, what do you want to show that, that actual person? So, you know, and you kind of have to line all these three, these three things up pretty accurately, in my opinion. I think there's a little wiggle room. Certainly your targeting can be a touch off. You can show your ad to, you know, mostly the right people and have a few, you know, non-qualified people in there and do okay. But if you if you kind of drop the ball on this last piece, I think uh, almost every campaign is doomed to failed. Meaning even if you're showing the right messaging, or I'm sorry, the to the right person and the wrong messaging is in place, the campaign can fail. So the what, um, when it comes to Google, it might be the actual text that you're writing on the ad itself. And naturally, of course, it's the landing page or the, the page that you're sending folks to once they click on that actual ad. So think of those as kind of two parts. With Facebook, I think probably there's a little bit more value placed in the actual design of the Facebook ad itself, the imagery you use, the text, the copy, everything that you're kind of putting into that ad. And certainly it could just not be an image. It could be a video file or something like that that you're showing to that, you know, potential guest. But I think the, you know, what you're actually showing them is, is very valuable and very important as well. And I think we have learned this year, like you said, shifting trends and a lot of things going on. That hitting that messaging properly makes a huge difference. You mentioned a good example of unlimited Wi-Fi, making sure that that's an important thing that they're considering. Certainly, I think um, I probably did more banners and mentions this year of enhanced cleaning protocols than I would mm-hmm. like to <laughs> admit. But you know, I think I think that uh, guests wanted to see that messaging on advertising on marketing that you know, maybe there's a little anxiety with traveling this year. I think a lot of people feel that. So if you can reassure them and explain to that guest what you're doing to keep them safe between stays, you know, from from COVID, I think that's something that can be persuasive. And if they're, if they see ad one and ad two, ad two mentions these sort of you know, enhanced measures or protocols or things that you're doing to help protect the guest, they might be more likely mm-hmm. to click and engage with that ad than something that's just, you know, hey, here's a special, here's $20 off, et cetera. I think that that's the default for a lot of managers, whether, you know, pre or post COVID, it was just offering discounts. Mm-hmm. But some of our best ads don't have any discounts in them at all. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the the messaging that's right, uh, the off, we're targeting it to the right person, and it's something that they're genuinely interested in doing. And that's where we're able to typically drive better results,
0: in my opinion. Yeah, another one that we'd thought of was that, uh, and it relates to another change that's happened this year this massive explosion in pets being adopted. And I, I think this is happening in the US as well. You know, people have turned to animals for comfort and for, I mean, because that unconditional affection that you're going to get from an animal when you can't have a hug from anybody else. Uh, so so we figured that there's so many more households with, with pets that one of the what do we want to show them is that we welcome pets we welcome your rescues <laughs>
1: Oh, so I think I've told you this before, but I think it bears repeating because I still use it to this day, even uh, however many years later. You, I forget which episode you were talking about it on, but you said, don't say like pet pet friendly, um, but say like pets welcomed, you know, like make the copy more positive. And literally to this day, I just wrote a campaign last week for pet friendly um, in an in island destination here in the US and Florida. And I did my pet friendly campaign with your copy. So uh, <laughs> shout out to you for that copy. It still works to this day. I'll A-B test it against like pet friendly or pets allowed, but saying pets welcome still works better. So I think that that's a good example of like that last piece, which is like what you're actually saying to the guest matters can matter significantly in some cases. So even if you've correctly identified, okay, pet friendly travel, a trend, people bringing their pets. We need rentals, obviously, that are pet friendly. But if, if that's something that's available to you, then it's just a matter of how do we position our properties to mm-hmm. to best suit them, including sending them, you know, different information when they arrive or having different information on the property detail page and so on. All that messaging, I think, makes your advertising more persuasive and ultimately more effective as well. So yeah, yeah that's a that's a that's a good one that you're seeing pop up, and I I've stolen your copy for literally years now. So thank oh, you. oh, well, that's
0: that's always good to know. Yes, I I, I still have this, uh, you know, my, my little spiel when I talk to new owners is we don't want you just to tolerate pets. You have to positively welcome them because that's what will bring you back people over and over again. But anyway, that's a digression. (laughs) Um, I wanted, I I know we have, we have a relatively short space of time. And every time I start talking to you, Conrad, I realise that we need three hours and not 40 minutes. Um, So we will probably come back and do a little bit more on this, perhaps more on the Facebook ads side. Let's just move on and perhaps focus a little bit more on on Google ads and keywords because yeah. this is something that i'm you know we we've done this with you in the past and we looked at things like ontario cottage rentals and muskoka cottage rentals but i'm i'm looking at a, including a lot of new content on our website which is more location based and i I'll just tell you something that I'd noticed recently that I, I wrote a blog post on craft breweries and I can't remember the exact exact <laughs> wording a couple of weeks ago and posted it. And then I checked it and it's, wow, this is, you know, it was on page three. And then the next time I looked, it was on page two and now it's on page one. So th- I mean, that that's just ordinary. That's just organic keyword usage. But I want to know about how important is it to when you're doing paid ads or You know, not how important is it, is it relevant to actually focus on keywords that are in content articles and not so much in your base keywords, which are focused on your location and what you're actually doing, such as accommodation or rentals or villas or... Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So, so so, in my mind, typically when we think of how we're constructing, you know, any paid search campaign that we're doing with Google, most of our focus, 95% of our focus is going to be on those bottom of the funnel transactional type terms, right? We've even had success doing things like where to stay in Ontario or where to stay in cottage country, some, some campaigns. So there's always new ideas that you can explore. But the reality is that ultimately the reason those keywords typically convert so well, going back to our Ontario cottage rentals example, is that those are are the bottom of the funnel searches right so people who are searching for that particular keyword they want to see rentals they want to see availability you have what they're looking for you're going to convert you know a certain percentage hopefully one to five to you know a higher percent of those people into bookings so typically our paid search campaigns focus on those bottom of the funnel keyword ideas now that being said the the downside of that of course is that we're not the only ones with this idea <laughs> uh, certainly all the big listing sites are going after those keywords as well local competition is going after those keywords and you know like any auction the more people that enter that are eager to get that traffic, the higher the prices per click tend to go on the Google side of things, right? In general. So if you have twelve different advertisers, twelve different websites all bidding on Ontario cottage rentals, well, there's only four ad slots on the top of the page. You know, as we're recording this, I'm sure Google will slide in another one at some point, but at the at the moment, there's only four ad slots. So if there's twelve people bidding and four ad slots, some people are going to lose, you know, and and get either placed on the bottom of the page or their ad may not show at all if Google doesn't deem them relevant enough or their quality score isn't high enough, right? So that's where I think if you have the ability to get traffic organically on these content pages, like you're talking about. And the person searching for the best breweries in Muskoka may not be that bottom of the funnel person. We know that, mm-hmm. but it's likely they're planning a trip. It's likely they're looking to learn more information. And that's where other forms of advertising might come into play. So remarketing or retargeting being a good example of anyone that actually visits a blog post that you have, you can remarket or retarget to them to get them to sort of come back and engage further with your cottage rentals, you know, with your actual Hmm. properties that you have for rent. So yeah, content pages like that, I think they serve multiple purposes on the SEO side. On the paid search side, I don't think they're typically ones that we would run paid traffic to in general. There, again, might be small exceptions if there's some, you know, if you let's think of a creative example. Let's say you had a brewery package or tour where mm-hmm. you said, hey, come stay in one of our rentals and you can tour these five breweries for a flat rate or something like that. Maybe there's an option like that to, to take paid search and make it more profitable. But typically our campaigns are focused on those bottom of the funnel terms and ideally finding more you know keywords that are less competitive, that not everyone you know is bidding on all the big listing sites and all the local competition to find terms that have a higher conversion potential. And ideally, of course, a lower cost per click, a lower cost per action to get them to the website, to your website.
0: So how do you how do you find those keywords mm-hmm. that are not going to cost you the earth and are still bottom of the funnel.
1: Yeah. So I think you know we great, we brought a great example up a few minutes back when we were talking about pet friendly. Everyone might be bidding on Ontario cottages, maybe not everyone is bidding on Ontario pet friendly. So just by adding in modifiers like that I think you immediately typically see a reduction in competition. Now, sometimes the cost per click isn't always lower, but if the conversion value is higher or the conversion percentage is higher, we can be okay with paying a higher rate, right? Now, when we're looking for things that have a combination of those things you mentioned, lower competition and lower costs, I think there's a lot of tools out there that you can leverage to find those sorts of things. And to be honest, some of it's just sifting through, you know, a massive Excel spreadsheet or a massive list of keywords. A tool that we use a lot is called Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S.com. They have a keyword export tool where we could just put in Ontario Cottage or Ontario Cottages, and it would literally show us every possible variation of that individual keyword. And we can just start to go through and find examples. Mm -hmm. So, pet friendly was a good one. I can list off some other ones that we typically do uh, for for clients in like beach markets or water markets. There might be a market, or I'm sorry, some search intent for waterfront. You know, like Panama City Beach beachfront rentals or um, Ontario Lakefront rentals. You mentioned um, also a moment ago, like different communities or areas could also be worth targeting. So Ontario being a province might be more searched than just targeting Muskoka or just targeting a smaller, mm-hmm. you know, Perry Sound, you know, might be might might have less search volume because not as many people are bidding on that. If you have inventory that's in a less well-known market, that can actually kind of work to your benefit as well, to where not as many people are bidding on it and you can get that traffic for a lower amount per click, but ultimately, I think a lot of it is manual research. It's seeing what is unique about your inventory. So, for the managers out there, how else can you organize your properties? Um, we have a client in Blue Ridge, Georgia, and we have a property called—excuse uh, uh, me—we have a category page called fishing cabins. So it's really no different than those cabins listed on just the the town name page um, in Blue Ridge. But what we kind of have identified as these cabins being unique is they have water access. You can walk out from the back of the cabin, literally fly fish on the river, and we found. On this whole sort of group of you know travelers that were interested in fly fishing cabins in North Georgia or fishing cabins in Blue Ridge—all these keywords that really we hadn't really targeted before. We did a campaign around it, created a specific page that fit that specific search criteria. And although the volume of that search is relatively low, the conversion value and the conversion rate on that campaign is extremely high. So we may spend hundred dollars and get several bookings from it just because of how specific that that offering is. And Again, going back to our comments earlier, what are we trying to get them to do? Show them cabins. Who are we targeting? These fishing people. We send them to a landing page that's very specific and we get a great result from that campaign. So I think it's looking at your rentals and seeing what's unique about them. And then I think it's also doing a little bit of this data research to see if those things can line up a little bit better. You know, here's a unique offering that I have. Here's something that people are searching for in Google. Let me make a campaign around that. And typically you can find some some gems in in that process.
0: So you've been talking about you know what you pay for them. and Sometimes you pay more, sometimes you pay less. How do you set a budget? How do you know what's acceptable? What's going to bring you more conversions than it is going to cost you? Because I, I think yeah. if you do this wrong, you could end up dumping a, a whole load of money into a search term that's just going to and, and not going to bring you anything.
1: Yeah, like my dad says, they're they're losing a lot of money but they'll make it up in volume. You know, not not a good strategy, right? So, I think the key is is one having your tracking in place. I know we talked about this in our last call, um our last uh, interview some time ago and I still see to this day like new people coming to us that have websites set up, even by large website development companies out there, you know, not going to name names, but the tracking still isn't set up the way it should be. So, we have to go in and set up the tracking. So, that's I think the first thing. If you can't if you can't actually measure, you know, the impact of these results, meaning how many phone calls are you getting? How many people who come to your website are filling out a contact form or a property detail page question form? And of course, the holy grail, how many are coming on and booking? I think until you can answer those questions, you can't answer the ROI or profitability question very accurately. But let's assume that's in place. Let's assume you're tracking everything. I think the second piece is, you know, setting aside some targets for yourself. Obviously, everyone that's listening to this call might have a different rental rate. Everyone might have a different length of stay. Perhaps that number has expanded in 2020. Perhaps that number shrank in 2020. It seems like uh, it's happened to both of our clients on on different sides of the spectrum, their average day going up or going down. Um, but if you can start to build a little bit of a model of, you know, let's do a quick example. You rent for $100 a night. Your average day is five nights. Your average booking value is kind of in that $500 range you can start to at least build a little bit of a model of what am I comfortable paying per booking or what am I comfortable paying per lead and start to work backwards from there. So in that example of $500, let's say um, you want to, you you know, you don't want to pay more than $100 for that booking or $150. Again, these numbers might be different depending on your margins and what you're operating with. But then you can start to kind of work backwards a little bit and say, if my site converts at even a very conservative 1% of people coming to the site as a direct booking, I can basically pay a dollar per click, assuming 1% of people convert, my cost per my cost per booking is $100. So I think it it takes a little bit of spreadsheet math. I don't think it has to be overly complicated or or arduous. And I think All of it comes back to creating a simple model to say, here's a budget, here's my expected outcome from this budget, and then ultimately going back to what I said at the beginning is measuring and having a way to to track these results to the best of your ability, knowing that you're never going to get perfect, but at least having some metrics that you can hang your hat on and say, okay, in this $1,000 of ad spend, I do expect to get at least 10 bookings from it. I think having something like that that you can work from sets you ahead of the competition as far as you know being intelligent about what you're spending and what your budgets should be for for search campaigns because you're right you go down the wrong path and you can ultimately spend a lot of money get some bookings in return but but ultimately lose you know lose profit which is really not a, not a smart campaign for you to be doing in many cases
0: yeah it's one it's one of these reasons that I'm not going to be going in and doing this myself <laughs> so but how feasible is it for for someone to learn to do it themselves this is the you know Multi thousand million dollar question, isn't it? Do we do it ourselves, or and perhaps the potential of losing money, or do we hire somebody in to do it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I uh, it's a it's tough to answer because it depends on what that person's skill set is, what what sort of knowledge they have with setting these things up, and also like where's your time best spent. I think when we we talk about listeners on this call who may be hosts or they may have you know three or four or five properties that they're managing. You know, and that's sort of their career. that's their that's their income source. It might be more logical for someone like that to go ahead and and say, "Okay, well, paying someone else to do it may not be profitable for me, but I'm okay with spending three, four days learning this process, getting the basics down, setting up my tracking and going from there. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a spectrum for everyone, and we've we've come across companies who have hired people in house to run paid search for them and have done a great job. So there's people that are at that level of spend where it actually is economical for them to hire mm-hmm. someone on their team that has an expertise or a background in that. Obviously, we have clients that come to us for it, and then we've seen people do it themselves and do it pretty, you know, at a, at a high level. I do think it takes time of education, it takes time of knowledge of the system to some degree, but I do think it's possible to learn. There's certainly great resources out there to do so. Um, lynda.com. Being a good example, they have great Google Ads courses, and you can kind of skip through some things that may not be relevant to, you know, vacation rental marketing, and just focus on ones that are. But I think it's it depends on each individual kind of host or, or manager that might be listening. What's the scale of their marketing people on their team? If they're a manager, they might have people that are already doing marketing in some form or fashion. And again, what's that what's that time worth to you versus what's your expected value of return? If you're able to get an additional ten or twenty or thirty bookings per month from paid search, is that worth it for you to learn it? In some mm-hmm. cases, yes, and some cases now. So I think it's doing the research and seeing what makes sense for you.
0: Yeah, yeah it was interesting. I was talking to Matt Tesdall from Family Time Vacations last week, and and we were talking about this, this actual thing, and he, he, he uses all sorts of third parties as his business development team. So he's working with Vintori. He listed, and in fact, you, I'll put a link to that episode. If anybody's not listened to that, you can go back and, and hear what uh, what Matt has to say about outsourcing his business development and his marketing, because that works for him. As he said, he's not skilled enough to do these things and other people can. And then I know that, you know, in certain areas, you you, you might hire somebody who has those skills. So uh I freely admit I'm not ready to, to take off on a paid search, paid advertising path on my own right now. Um, let's just, because we're, we're, we're getting short on time now. So I, I just wanted to know about websites because we've just rebuilt our website. Very, very mm-hmm. happy with it. I like it. It is, it is really lovely. I absolutely love it. Well, you know the last one too. <laughs> um, so when you're working with a new client, What do you like to see in their current site and what would you have everybody do to improve a site?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, Maybe that's a whole episode by itself. But (laughs) I guess the things that I see on new sites most commonly, um, you know, again, I'll go back to tracking, not really having a good system of how well is this working? How well are we getting bookings in place? So that's unfortunately a miss I see all too often. So I'll I'll mention that one again, just as honorable mention. There's a trend, I think, where people are making the design of these sites quite... uh, they're maybe trying to be a little bit too visual like huge background images or video in some cases and, the, and these sites are quite a bit slower than they should be almost to the point where you have to sit there and wait for the site to load so I wouldn't ignore the basics you know I wouldn't ignore page speed I wouldn't ignore usability having links buttons etc be very clear. I think overly styling something can, can make it confusing. And that's not what we're looking, you know, that's not what we're looking for for conversions, right? Ultimately when we're coming, paid search is coming into a site, they might expect your site to almost function or work a little bit like Airbnb. They might expect map results. They might expect properties in the left column view, et cetera. So sometimes breaking the norms or traditions can work against you. I think in terms of conversion, if you confuse the guests, that's as bad as targeting the wrong guest almost, because it may be difficult for them to come back. I would say page speed is something that I'm seeing, unfortunately, more and more like struggles with recently where the, the pages get just really heavy. They're almost unusable or mm-hmm. extremely slow on mobile, which is ultimately, we were pulling some data recently and we were seeing the trend of mobile just continuing to eat into desktop. We had a we had a client we looked at that has a good amount of traffic. So a good sample size, well over two million pages a year. And their traffic in 2020 was 68% mobile. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a few a few percent tablet and then the 20 something remaining percent desktop. So I would say don't ignore that either, right? Um we know that like I think some people say, oh well the sites responsive. And it's like they check a box off like it's done. And they may not realize the usability of that site on mobile isn't very good. You know, the autofill doesn't work properly. Or when you tap in the credit card field, it doesn't actually bring up a keypad to type in the credit card number. So some of these small little things I think can be overlooked as well in some of the new designs where it works, but it's not as efficient or as user friendly as it could be. Um, And if a guest is booking on their phone, you want to make it as simple as it could be. So yeah, I think, I think those are a number of things that we see that I think could be improved upon. None of what we're talking about here, I think is overly complex. It doesn't require the latest, greatest, you know, JavaScript technology or anything like that. I think some of it's just doing the basics well, making the site load quickly, have accurate information and have clear pricing, showing the, the guests what they're looking for. Just nailing the basics, I think is something that every manager can continue to improve upon and make their sites more clear, you know, moving forward.
0: I think you made a great point there about, you know, people expect it to look like Airbnb. So you know, people are out there creating their new sites, and they want it to look entirely different and something something special. <laughs> but in fact, you've got to think, put put yourselves in the guest's shoes, and it, that something like that could could severely throw them if it wasn't what yeah. they expect to see. And you know, Airbnb yeah. doesn't look a lot different now. For, you know, or VRBO that they're, they're, they're the similar layouts. Uh, I've seen a few sites recently where I've thought, wow, that's an Airbnb listing. And I think that's been done deliberately because people feel more comfortable. I'm just am just writing a piece at the moment about trust, because I read an article on the IPO um, that said in their S1 in Airbnb's S1 filing, the word trust was mentioned 66 times. Interesting. So that's you know clearly that is Airbnb think mm-hmm. that trust is one of their pillars. So we've we've got to. So people going to Airbnb and they're trusting it, and then they come to another site and it's just ah, it's just too different. So not 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 saying, and I'm sure you're not saying, you know, you should clone your site as as an Airbnb listing, but it's certainly worth thinking about in the design. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, there's a design model that I think guests are used to. They expect to see a date search box on the homepage, you know, easy to access, you know, access in the top thing when they do the search, they expect the property photos to be in the top. They probably expect the rate information or additional refinements Mm -hmm. to be on the right side. They expect a property description in the middle. They might expect additional information about the property underneath, like a map or a location or something like that. And I agree, it's okay to shift these things around a little bit. Of course, we're not saying you have to just copy it word for word, but if everything, you know, is backwards, I think that's that that can confuse. Guess easily. I have a quick tangent on the, like listening to, uh, feedback can being a, ne- a negative thing. I'll, I'll send you a link. Um, but there's a really old conversion Excel article where he talks about Walmart spending like millions of dollars to ask uh, customers what they wanted in their stores. And, uh, Walmart listened to all this feedback that the stores were too cluttered that they didn't like the fact that, uh, uh, shoppers at Walmart didn't like the fact that they would push their cart through the store and they'd run into like little displays and things like that. And they said, no, we want the aisles to be wider and we want, um, it to be easier to navigate the store. So, Walmart rolled out like this new layout, reduced their inventory or products, focused on simplicity, made the stores less cluttered, and the sales like absolutely tanked. They were down like 35, <laughs> 40%. So, I think you have to be careful to listen to you know guests a little bit too much. Like, sometimes monitoring their behavior is more uh, impactful or more worth keeping an eye on than just monitoring what they say. Mm-hmm. You know, every guest may say one thing, but then what they do doesn't always line up with that. And I think that's very true in website design and website layout, where a guest may say, oh, Oh, I love the video on your homepage, but if it slows things down and makes things tough to load, and they can't use it on their phone, eh, it's not—it's not so much fun at that point anymore. So, yeah, a ca- caution against listening too much, and sometimes you have to rely on what you think were what you have proven to work best, and not changing things up so much that you confuse guests for sure.
0: Yeah, good point. Good points. Um, just to fi- finally, then, for anyone who's never considered using AdWords before, and and I know there there are. I've I've spoken to people recently who said never done that not going to but maybe what tips would you offer them?
1: I think if you can't have success with a branded campaign, then you it'll be very difficult for you to have success. So start there. So branded in the vacation rental world could mean a few different things. Honestly, uh, the first being if you have the name of your company, um, whether whether you are a host or whether you have you know a. Five properties, fifty, or five hundred, or a thousand—you know, whatever the name of your company is—you know, Cottage Link. If you can bid on that and see success, at least you're starting to—you know, it's 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 about as easy as it get, it's about as easy as it gets in terms of success and and results that you're going to see from that. So start with a branded campaign for perhaps the name of your company. Mm-hmm. But two, in the vacation rental world, we sort of have these sub-brands in a way, if we think about it, which is the name of the actual properties that you might be managing as well. So I don't, know, I don't know any names off the top of my head, Heather, of any cottages that you have, but some of your more popular cottages, that's almost a brand in and of itself. People may actually search the name of that cottage in Google as well. So the, all the travel industry execs, I feel like Airbnb doesn't say this as much. I didn't find it in their, in their S1. You just mentioned that. But I know in the, fact, uh, in the past Expedia has talked about this a ton. They talk about leakage, which is people mm-hmm. finding a property on a listing site and then leaking off, going into Google or finding the property directly and then booking it that way. So that leakage can kind of benefit you if you're, if you're a host or a manager, right, by simply bidding on, you know, in Google with the name of your individual properties that you may have, getting them to your site, of course, mentioning the fact that your rate is probably lower than the one on the listing mm-hmm. site you may be able to offer on their benefits and so on. So I would say starting with a branded campaign, either the name of your company and or the name of individual properties that you may have, a, a small tangent there, if you have condo properties, the the brand, if you will, may not be the name of the unit, but rather the name of the building, mm-hmm. You know, so like where I'm where i based here, Ashworth being a good example. There's 30, 30 odd units in that building. You could bid on the name of that, even if you only have one unit inside the building. So looking for very again, these are obviously very low competition keywords, probably no one else or almost no one else is bidding on them. Having success with branded can, I think, start to show you the possibilities of what you can do with paid search, in particular if the listing sites are dominating your branded terms. Meaning if you do a search for one of those cottage names, if your website isn't coming up, number one, and that click is going to Airbnb or uh, VRBO, Vrbo, Verbo. then I think that's a great place to start with those branded search terms that are specific to your company.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. I'd I'd, I'd heard about this, uh, you know, doing a branded campaign. I think uh, if I'm going to do anything on my own, then that's, I think, something to start with. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, I think it's very straightforward.
0: Yeah. Okay. Gosh, time goes really, really fast. We're just going to have to set up another one of these for the new year, I think, uh, think, Conrad. Before I let you go, tell me... Tell me what ha- what's happened with, with Guest Hook.
1: Yeah, Guest Hook. So basically, a few months back now, October 2020, um, I acquired Guest Hook from Andy and Jessica. Um, so Jessica's kind of staying on for the next few months. So I'm sure listeners of your podcast have had a chance to connect or meet with uh, these two smart folks. They just kind of wanted to. You know, have guest hook have a new home. Um, so I purchased Guest took for those that don't know. Guest took largely does uh, listing site descriptions, but also does really any sort of copywriting project. So I've had the you know really the great honor and pleasure to take on many of the people that have been doing this work for Guest Hook for years, um, and we've kind of transitioned everything over into a new site, a new platform, everything. So yeah, as a, I guess a quick, a quick aside, if you will, you know, have, have guest hook. I kind of have this director role. I'm not doing the copywriting. There's people better than me at copywriting doing it, um, who we've been able to retain from the team. And, you know, if anyone needs help in that area, we're certainly eager to, uh, get more projects up for folks. So listing site descriptions, website, copy, et cetera. Um, it's now kind of under our umbrella under guesthook.com.
0: Well, that, that's, that's great. Cause I think, you know, it, it's such a match to bring that in to your build up bookings brand. So uh, congratulations on that. And so I came across yeah. you recently. We hadn't talked for a while, but uh, you sort of came on my radar through Vintori. So you're doing that work for Vintori with their clients, helping them with paid advertising?
1: Yeah, so Vintori, I mean, that's such a, that was such a fun opportunity. So I connected with Brooke um, last year and it was a referral through David uh, Angotti of SmokyMountains.com. Also, you know, I'm sure a, a past guest of the show as well, I believe. Um so yeah, I mean, basically, he, you know, Brooke was looking for someone to kind of come in and help Inventory specifically with owner acquisition marketing. So obviously, you know, most of our content of our conversation here has been about acquiring guests, but acquiring owners is just as important. And there's really no one better, you know, in my opinion, at that, than Brooke Inventory. So if you do sign up with Inventory, we'll we'll definitely be engaging um, in a small context. I come in to help on the paid search ads there, and it's it's been fun to work with all the all the people over there and reconnect with you know people like you and a few of their clients I've worked with in the past and, you know, I kind of get on the call and I think I joke with some people like, Hey, you didn't, you probably didn't expect me over here, um, but it's been fun. And uh, I think it's, you know, any manager that's listening to this should probably check out uh, Vintori and see what they have it to offer. Cause I think it's truly unique. I don't really think there's anyone else that's doing it at the same level. And I'm happy to play a small role in their success.
0: Yeah. We've, we've, we've definitely been very happy with uh, with what Vintori has done for us. So, uh, so yes, it's uh, that is ongoing at the moment. So I'll make sure that all these uh, links are on the show notes for anybody who wants to, go and check them out. Conrad, it's been an absolute pleasure as ever. And yeah. in fact we can't, we can't connect face to face this year, but I'm sure, you know, hopefully next year that may happen. But in the meantime, I'm sure we will be talking again.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Thanks so much, Heather. I Appreciate you having me again. Thank you.
0: Thank you Conrad always an absolute pleasure to, to talk with you. I love the idea of incorporating Guest Hook into build up bookings. I've loved Guest Hook for so many years. Jessica is has well started out with uh, Andy McNulty and Jessica Vosell and then Jessica's been running it for a number of years now and doing a fabulous job. And it was fantastic to hear that uh, that Conrad had acquired Guesthook. So you will be hearing more from Guesthook, I am quite sure. So if you want to get in touch with Conrad and talk about paid search, paid advertising, whether it is through Facebook or Google ads, then go to the show notes. You can go to Conrad at buildupbookings.com and uh, contact him directly. I've worked with him. My company's worked with him over the years. We're currently working with him alongside Ventori. So I, as ever, only ever vouch for the people that I know. I, and I've either worked with myself or I, I know somebody else who has worked with them and, and is really, really pleased with them. So yep, head on over to buildupbookings.com. And, and apart from that, Conrad is just a thoroughly nice guy. So that's it for uh, yet another week. As this gets published, we're rapidly approaching Christmas, but I will keep on publishing each week right the way through the Christmas period. Yes, I do do not have an episode this year that either falls on Christmas Day or New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. So quite happy about that. That keeps my listenership high. So thank you once again for for joining me. It's always an absolute pleasure to uh, be in your ear, as it were. I'm heading out on the trails this afternoon with my earbuds in. I will be listening to some business podcast, I am quite sure if you get the chance to go to iTunes or wherever you can leave a review and leave me a great review, I would love it. The more, more reviews we can get, then the more listeners that will come to the show. And that's always great. You know, I'm hoping that we are going to hit a million downloads in 2021, really working on that right now. Hope you'll help me by sharing the love. Many thanks. See you next week. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.